you're listening to Art of the Flow. Are the Floatware Float Centers Thrive? This is our weekly podcast that tells our stories of running our float centers, starting our float centers, and where we give tips on uh, how we start, run, and refine our float centers. You can find us on Facebook at Art of the Float, on Twitter and Instagram at Art of the Float. And as always, we love it when you join the conversation by leaving a speak pipe at artofthefloat.com. It's the gold bar on the left side of the screen. If you click that, uh, you can leave a voicemail. Uh, give us your opinions on the show, ask any questions, all that good stuff, and we will play it on the air. Uh, you can also visit artofthefloat.com if you want to check out show notes, links, pictures from all our episodes, all that good stuff. And uh, well, gosh, let me introduce myself. I am Dylan Com. I own the float shop with my wife, Sandra Com, in Portland, Oregon, a four float tank center with acupuncture, um, let's see, acupuncture, massage, counseling, and we have a yoga studio in our uh, one of our buildings as well. I'm joined by Amy of Float Nashville. Hey, y'all. How you doing? I'm good. I'm doing good. And Fantastic. Amy, <laughs> how many float tanks do you have? We have three float tanks, that's right. and that's all we've got in 1,100 <laughs> square feet, right smack dab in the middle of Nashville, Tennessee. Cool. Yeah. And Lancy boy of Red Deer Canada. Welcome. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Enter the octagon. <laughs> nice. Ooh. Yeah. Game on. Game on. <laughs> Whew. Let's see here. So um, we've got part two of the roundtable discussion uh, to play after. We'll, we'll just talk about our weeks a little bit and share any little bits of info that we covered uh, for with our float centers throughout the week. So we'll get to part two of that. I think it ends... Uh, um, the feedback was really positive on, on part one, and uh, I think it'll be just as positive for part two. I think there's some some real gems in there. Mm-hmm. Oh, so, guys, I've got some crazy news here, some, some float-related news, which is <sighs> I worked a shift at the float shop this week. I worked a, a, a well, shift? A full f- five-hour shift. <laughs> <laughs> it's like four or five hours. Yeah, five, I'd say. Wow. Thank you, Lance. Five Thank hours. You. Thank you. And it was a closing okay? shift too. Are you, I, how are you feeling? Before I get further, how are you feeling? Are you okay? I I am rested at this point, but okay. I mean it's been Good. it's been three or four days, so I've had a lot of recovery time. Since okay, then. no fatigue, nausea, anything like that. We can continue the show. We're going to make uh, it tonight. Yeah. Okay. If you had spoken right. to me two or three days ago, I was a mess. I'm glad we oh. delayed the recording tonight because <laughs> yeah. there's no way I could show up to a, to a, a live recording of the caliber that we record here. No, no, not after recording a full five hour shift. Or, we or want you to take care five. of yourself first. Thank my you, friend. Amy. It's important. Thank you. Yeah. I really appreciate it. Um, I had no idea what I was doing. It was amazing <laughs> to think <laughs> how much things have changed, or just like just not knowing procedures and everything, and just asking other employees. Uh, let's see. I think I was working with Emily most of the time, just asking her all the questions and just basically putting all the responsibility on her. And uh, but it really, honestly, it was good to actually be back in the shop, and it was fun. And I, I did decide to give an intro uh, to somebody floating for the first time, and I was I was nervous. I had butterflies, <laughs> and um, I forgot the intro, like because you know there there are certain bullet points that we hit, and I was like, so you do this, you do that, and. You know, I don't remember what the other important stuff regarding <laughs> floating is. And I was like, I'll, I'll be right back. And, you know, she's soaking her feet in the foot bath. And so it's all good. And uh, 
But uh, I would say I did a lot of explaining. It's it's kind of my first day here. <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't been to the shop in a while. Um, so that was Oh, that's that was funny. Fun. Yeah, Emily was cleaning upstairs. Like, oh, what's the other part of the float intro? What do we what do we tell people? Like, what's oh, that's right. That is important. Yeah. Yep. That's important. I went back and it was all good. I gave the tour of the room well. So I got that going That's for me. Good. That's good. <laughs> but I have to admit, you know, we're sitting here kind of picking on you, but the reality of it is I don't I'm at the I'm at work a lot, I'm at the at the shop a lot, mm-hmm. but I don't give a lot of intakes. And the mm-hmm. uh it wasn't the last time, but the time before that had been quite a while. I actually had a index card with my bullet points <laughs> on it. And I, I so, you know, it just I did uh... not something that I do a whole lot and I wanted to make sure I covered everything. Um so yeah, it's uh, yeah. I can't uh, wait till it, I'm Reading off of my Can't hand, <laughs> to hands on the side of the float tank to st- oh, it's smudged. Nam yoho renge kyo, and yeah, that's gonna be good stuff. It's never good to be out of practice. It's good for us. Yeah, I agree. Oh, you know what the biggest takeaway for me was was just appreciating my employees of what they do. <laughs> I mean, with four float tanks going on and there were massages going on at the same time and acupuncture. I, my head was reeling and Emily was just chill as a cucumber. Um, I, she, you know, we, we are at the point when we're at capacity, like maybe on a weekend, if we're doing packages of acupuncture floats and massage, all going at the same time, they can, they can be overwhelmed, but we didn't have a full schedule with the float tanks. So Emily was just, just chill as a cucumber, just, you know, not even breaking a sweat. Well, meanwhile, I'm working the front desk and I'm literally sweating. Uh, so it, it was good to kind of remember, like, it's just not a standard retail job. It's just not the standard job that you hire that, you know, when I go to, I don't know, the soap store or whatever, you go to the mall and you deal or fries or something like that. It's, it takes a different caliber of, of person to work at a float center. And these guys have been here for quite some time and, and they, they bring it. It's crazy. So that's what I got, mm. uh, besides Good stuff. making the float shop look bad to new, <laughs> new customers. <clears throat> so that was good. I don't think you did that bad. I, I'm sure you, I'm sure you would have passed. Uh, you think they, they, they would have hired me? Uh, <laughs> hire. That's different. That's different. Yeah. You would have passed. You would have gone <laughs> by as like a volunteer. We're, right. we're catching up some staff. You know, we're not ready to hire you just yet, but, uh, you know, keep showing up for volunteer day, keep learning the ropes and, you know, we might talk to you again in the future. Also work on the attire, please. Cause uh, flip flops are pretty unprofessional. So, Ooh. yeah. Oh, well, you obviously have not met my business partner who refuses to wear anything but flip flops, even in the middle of winter. Is so we're still or... trying to work on that. That's funny, Amy. I think, he's, I think he might be rubbing off on me because I am a huge flip flop oh, no. fan and I'm wearing them more and more. So now that I don't work in the office, when like when I did work a shift, I still wore my <laughs> flip flops during the winter time. I'm like, ah, you know, I'll walk through the rain or whatever. Although I've seen pictures of him shoveling snow. <laughs> <laughs> shoveling snow, cigarette hanging out of his mouth and flip flops. Uh, yes, he's a right outside guru. of the float Nashville sign. <laughs> oh yeah, good. I, I hope you guys had a talk about that one. Uh, yeah, yeah Matt shows up. Matt shows up every single shift with a different pair of socks from Korea. <laughs> Every day it's some different animal or condiment (laughs) or cat. And he wears spa sandals, so it's a good look. I wouldn't Ah, say floats on his knee to be a.k.a. professional. Just have fun. Express your true self. I did not know. Three sandal wears, but he wears his with socks. With uh, with animals. It's it's funny. It's funny. 
Those Korean socks are awesome, though. Um, I actually have a few with my favorite K-pop artists on them, and they are awesome. So now, Matt, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take his fashion advice to heart. Oh yeah, I'm just totally showing up with spa because I think Glance, you and I we use the same spa slippers as well. Yeah, so I know yes, that I'm gonna do. be rocking those things. Yeah, if you're awesome. just joining us, this is to your Korean knees. sock talk. <laughs> nice. Good. Just no, it's, it's fashion Hold talk. This knees. is like float fashion right float, here. Korean fashion float forward. Fashion. Take after those Canadians. That's right. Before, they are before we get any forward. further, I just want to say, and mm-hmm. I do walkthroughs every single day I'm at work. <laughs> don't, uh, don't miss a day. You do what? Walkthroughs every single day I'm at the oh, flow check. Nice, <laughs> that nice. is the norm for me. Right, right. I and clean I and it. I play hostess, so I, I do my fair share. I just uh, Mark is, is a much better walkthrough person yeah. than me, I have to admit. So... Yes, I understand. I'm falling behind. Bad, bad Amy. But it's kind of the ideal, right? Like, and, and as much as I enjoy talking to customers and everything, like mm-hmm. at a certain point, you got to start stepping back, right? And mm-hmm. not be at the, I mean, to free up your time to keep growing your business and managing mm-hmm. it. I mean, right? Like that's. It's important. It's important. And, and we are different places. I mean, you know, Dylan, you're much further ahead. I'm still in that in-between stage where I'm mm-hmm. still at work. Um, Mark and I just split up our roles differently and Lance, mm-hmm. you're, you're just now really being able to focus a lot of your time. Right. I'm hustling, artists. hustling every day, <laughs> hustling. We got our Gary V here, our local Gary V. He's got the hustle. He's got the hustle. Uh, before we go any further, I want to give a shout out to float away. Our sponsor, uh, makes tranquility float tanks. The, uh, float cabins, float cabins for two float arounds. They make some incredible float tanks and I actually got to, have lunch with Ginny and Colin today at the airport. How nice is that? Oh, yeah. They, uh, nice. they were, um, I don't know their flight plan. I probably shouldn't give it out on the air anyway, but, um, <laughs> we, uh, they just, they had a layover in Portland for like four hours that it was perfect time to have lunch. And we just kind of shot the stuff and, uh, talked, talked float, which is so funny when we all get together, it, it gets, uh, it gets heated we're all passionate about our ideas and, and, uh, they're so, uh, so, such a fun time and there's such a fun crew and uh, I think one of the things that we were talking about oh my gosh one of the things is that they've been in business for 17 years which oh. is kind of phenomenal with all the different float tech manufacturers coming out and I mean everybody you know new is bringing new innovations and everything and that's fantastic but there's also something to be said for having been refining your product for mm-hmm. um, 17 years so that's uh, that's pretty nifty pretty cool um, wow if you're interested in FloatAway product, or anyway, FloatAway float tanks, uh, check out FloatAway.com. Uh, simple as that. And that's where you can check out all the different products and different technologies that they're using for their float tanks. And they're just really fun, cool people. It's, it's amazing the customer service that they give out to people who uh, their float tanks are outside of warranty or they've never spoken to because the tank has been sold two to three times. And that's how we developed our relationship with Jenny and Colin was we bought a used float tank. I have no idea how many owners it had uh, over its lifespan. It might have just been three, but it um, honestly, I, I should probably look into that. It'd kind of be interesting to know. But uh, they gave us so much of their time and attention. It was absolutely ridiculous without us ever giving them a red cent. Um, or a red pound. I, I don't know what they use over there in Europe, but um, it was. You should know that. Really amazing. We, I should. I should have researched this before giving a live ad. Uh, but anyway, they're rad. I, I highly encourage anybody to check out their float tanks and uh, because of their customer service. I don't know why you're laughing, Lance. Because uh, I'm funny. I think I'm funny. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, so we did a, uh, a print ad. 
<laughs> or, or just today we released a print ad. It'll probably be out in the next couple of days here. And uh, I, th- I thought it was interesting because I think on the air I've said that uh, like radio is dead, which, by the way, was probably not the best thing to say because Sandra's dad is a radio host and listens to this <laughs> podcast. And he just happens to I mean, he'll probably listen to one in five, I'm guessing. And he just happened to listen to that one. So that was fun. He gave me a nice stern talking to about radio. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm kidding. He uh, although he did tell me that probably not best for float centers to be doing radio ads. Uh, not not quite the broad reach we want to be hitting. But uh, I also agree that print probably isn't the best idea either. Uh, but it's hard to say no when. Um, uh, what we do, it's it's kind of like Groupon, but bear with me before you take out your your pitchforks here. Um, basically. Um, who is it? The, the Mercury is who we go through, and they will sell your floats online for you know 25% off, half off, whatever you guys come up with. And instead of taking cash from it like you would with Groupon, instead you take ad credit. So you're giving away a product, and in our case, you know it doesn't necessarily have the things that I'm not purchasing ingredients that I'm giving out, so I'm not taking a loss. I mean, you can still argue, you know, you're heating water and stuff like that, yes. Uh, but it, it's minimal. Uh, you get somebody in the door, and you're earning a pretty decent amount of credit towards advertisements. So if they're in, uh, interested in discounting their um, their floats through something like Groupon, if that doesn't totally rub you the wrong way, um, then I would look into your local papers and uh, see if that's something that's offered around you. Uh, because it works out well for us. And just, again, it's not not a huge thing. We don't run sales through the print because we did try that and got nothing back. But just brand awareness and, you know, letting Portland know about us. So when you say yes. print's dead, what do you mean print? Like a newspaper <laughs> print or like physical material print? Um, I would say I would need more information on what you're talking about. But I would say newspaper print is dead. Like the Oregonian here used to just be a super thick thing. And, and now it's just a, it's a tiny roll of paper. And it's not even every day of the week anymore. It's like three times a week, I think. Yeah, maybe plus the Sunday paper. So um, print is kind of a dying ad when it comes to newspaper but like a billboard is that what you're thinking well no you said print is dead i didn't know if you meant print is in like printing me printing posters or printing brochures or printing business cards i didn't know what you meant by print and i'm sure other people were may have been confused by that as well but i actually broad statements from dylan like sorry i can say that newspapers maybe aren't the best way to advertise but also tell you the demographic of people that are tuning into newspapers are also the demographic people that are not tuning into social media. So I find that um, we've had a couple things in the paper, um, but I find like what who we're targeting on social media is like 20 to say 45 to 50 year olds. But if you want those those older demographics of people, um, maybe the the pain clients or, you know, ones with um, different issues such as fibromyalgia stuff like that stuff that comes with the older range of people the yeah. the newspaper does great for that cuz they're still tuning in they've been it's been part of their routine for years right and i will say that a lot of it a lot of the response depends on how it's in the newspaper so for yeah. example are you purchasing an ad or um you're or are you going to see more response from an article that brings your name up we've had ads in the paper early on um, we got them for a very low cost due to another deal. 
Uh, we did not receive a whole lot of, um, actually, we received absolutely nothing from it. I'm just going to be up front. <laughs> However, we had an article in the paper that talked about pain management. That got us not only a response from the readership, but it also got some interest from a news station. Uh, so that went a long way. So it was in the newspaper, but it wasn't a paid ad. Now, that can be a little harder to get depending on sure. your local paper and how they how they run that. But mm-hmm. it does still have its... It, it does it's, still have its, its place. place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I great information on that. And yeah, I guess my broad statement of print is dead might have some holes in it. And uh, just Lance, that's after <laughs> after you've corrected yourself from yeah. your statement of saying radio is dead, then you just jump to print. And, then, and her mom is works at the Oregon. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, no, she works. Oh, go ahead, Lance. Sorry. Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to, to stop the bitter. Um, <laughs> the batter, not the bitter. Uh, <laughs> the bitter batter. Uh, I recently go got some, some posters printed. I got 100 posters printed, 11 by 17 posters, and it cost me like 23 bucks. And these posters I'm just going around putting in stores on different various huh. places in town. Um, yeah, they're just really basic black and white po- posters that get to the point, and it's just another way to reach our community. We can go so far on social media and some of the other means of marketing, but actually being out there in the public and having that reminder, that brand awareness just pop up at, at, you know, unexpected places is, um, hmm. I think it's, it's, it's good to do. Well, cool. I, when we first started taking, um, noting down where our clients were hearing from us, when we started, we had about 120 posters put around Red Deer and there was a large majority of people that had seen us through posters or cool. or different things that we'd put up on cork boards around the city. So I can dig mm-hmm. it. Like I always said, print is thriving and alive. So <laughs> make sure to do exactly. your print advertising. Mm-hmm. Pretty sure that's what I heard. That's right. <laughs> Liz, I saw um, I, I, you uh, posted the hairnet video. I, I appreciated that. That was really cool. Uh, I know you talked about it last week, I think it was, but uh, you went up and shared an actual t- kind of a tutorial on how to make sure that you're taking care of your pump while you're doing that. Do you want to share anything else about that, that experience? Yes. You can go to the Art of Floating page on Facebook and check out the video. Um, I think it's about... I don't know, almost 10 minutes long or something. But um, I talked about putting the hairnets in the basket. I referenced it a few times on these shows. Um, just I'll go over the importance of having the net inside of the basket, not on the outside. Um, if it's in the inside um, and something happens to it, it's not going to get sucked into your impeller. If it's on the outside, it will. So I just made a quick little video, like actually showing and explaining people how I do it and why we do it in certain ways. Um, I also posted a video yesterday, today, I don't know, about um, having a toilet brush inside of the basket as well. Um, That worked awesome for collecting hairs. Um, It basically collected all the hair on the the brush, but um, the brush I did use during the week had little, like, metal hooks inside, and um, that starts to rust. So I'm now looking for, like, a 100% plastic brush. So, yeah. I got that from Jeff of Float House of Surrey. Nice. It's working good. Check out the video. <laughs> if, if you're interested in trying those out too, oh, oh, and let's put the links in the YouTube video too, but uh, I threw up the links of what Lance uses for his pump and an Amazon link to the same product as well if you purchase through Amazon. So uh, check that out. I think we'll start implementing that at the float shop too. Um, speaking of uh, float tank maintenance, Amy, mm-hmm. you had some... Uh, 
Yeah. (laughs) Learn some stuff about. We learned some stuff. Yeah. So I'm actually still in Florida this week. So Mark has the run uh, of the of the uh, float Nashville by himself. And I always hesitate to do that, but no, I really <laughs> Wait, don't. He listens that? to this. I'm just <laughs> kidding. Um, no, he's actually doing a fantastic job. He even had a, he did a staff meeting this week, but he had been reading up. We had a we got some of our soap in the tank. So in in Tennessee, we're required to put our showers right in front of the tanks. And despite the the signs that ask people to close the uh. tank doors. Um, oftentimes people will shower and soap and things will get into the tank. Mm. So I guess we had a, a bit of an issue with that this week. Um, and he was reading up on it and w- it was suggested somewhere that he tries tennis balls. And he went out before the staff meeting, bought a bunch of tennis balls. They checked out the water before the staff meeting. He threw in the tennis balls. After the staff meeting, they came back and could not believe how much these just simple tennis balls had cleaned up the water. Oh, I thought now, you were going to say they multiplied, but okay, <laughs> that's good too. You never know. Um, uh, actually, we lose our balls around there quite a bit. Um, okay. We never know where they're okay. going to go. Uh, <laughs> oh, this is going to be tough. Be tough. We're sassy tonight. Uh, this is going to be tough. Did I mention they have to be fuzzy? Go. It's better to go with the fuzzy cheap balls. Um <laughs> Because that does seem to work a little bit better. It picks up more oil off the surface. So uh, Mark has discovered <laughs> that this has worked so much. About- okay, guys. <laughs> I love y'all. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> it's tough keeping a straight face tonight. Um, he, you know, we've tried all the spa sponges and we've had moderate success. Um, but Mark swears that these tennis balls and, and our staff agrees have worked so much better then the sponges, and they're actually a bit cheaper as well. So all you have to do when uh, they're putting them in at night, from what I understand, uh, and collecting them in the morning, uh, and all they have to do then is rinse off the balls, and they'll be ready. <laughs> and they'll be ready and prepared for the for the next night. So easy maintenance. Uh, they do the job, and oh. uh, they're working beautifully. That's awesome. Inexpensive. Yeah. Uh, so that, way to go, Mark. I know you're listening. And he likes it more than the sponges. It's getting more, more. The, the uh, yes, he says it's working so much better. We had moderate success with the sponges. Uh, we tried the. I never. We tried multiple times in multiple kinds as well. Yeah, we and, talked about that earlier on yeah. in the in the show. Um, you know, close to when we first started, and mm-hmm. I, I think Lance was talking about some sponges, and we just didn't find it. They wouldn't pick anything up, basically. Yeah. I mean, it we, could just we be that we're some. maintaining our water better. I don't know. Could, could be that. Oh. <laughs> now now it's going to be a competition. <laughs> Who has the biggest tennis balls? Yeah, right. What's next? <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah, the whole time Amy was talking, it was like the Matrix, just code of inappropriate jokes. But I realized this is a show that families gather around the radio and they yeah. listen to the to the Art of the Flow podcast. Yeah, so we're not yeah, going to yeah. go there. We're, we're trying real hard. Um, yeah, <laughs> but, but yes, these have worked so much better for us. They're cheaper and they don't require much maintenance. So, um, run out and grab those tennis balls. They seem to be on sale right now, uh, since the, I guess the summer is over. Oh, cool. Sad right. That makes sense. Uh, so Lance, you also had a little interesting experience with your <laughs> pump this week. Yeah. Well, it was actually a few weeks ago, but I neglected oh, to immediately cleaned up so i just said it was a few days oh, ago got it. <laughs> at our um during our maintenances every week i also made a video of 
Oh, I didn't post that. Uh, <laughs> okay, we um, when we open up the hair baskets, we bleed the water back so we don't, when we open that lid, it doesn't flood out. Mm -hmm. So what I do is I pull off the bleed screw on top of the filter housing. I take an air mattress pump. I shove it in there. I close the valve on the outlet side of the system, and then I pressurize it up, and then it blows the water back through the intake. Um, and then I can take the basket off and clean everything. Oh, but oh cool. Yeah, when I put it back together, excuse me, I um, opened up all the valves, I did everything, plugged the pump back in, and then I, um, I control the flow tanks from my phone. So I went and I walked a few feet away and I flicked it on and I heard something that didn't sound right and then it, oh, it goes no. and goes, ging, 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 and then it catches prime oh. and I see this little stream start coming <laughs> out of the filter housing, a little quarter-inch oh. stream. Two feet high, three feet high, four oh. feet high, and then it starts touching the roof. I'm like, no, and I run oh. over there and unplugged it. But yeah. it wasn't much water, maybe two or three liters. But you know what happens That's when okay. you get that salt everywhere. It yeah. just, oh, yeah. once yeah. it dries, it looks disgusting. So um, right. we have uh, all of our pump packs on threaded connections right at the tank. So we can simply close the valves and just unthread them and pull our whole pump pack out. So mm -hmm. when something like that happens, I just pulled it out, brought it out to a balcony and used hot water and hosed it down till it was shiny and clean again and then put her back in place instead of trying to clean around it. That's sort of cool. That's pretty sort of sucks. I remember yeah. when we were first opening up, Sandra changed out the filter and didn't put the, the cartridge, you know, the lid on. And uh, I walked in after some screaming and I could not believe how much surface area that salt water covered <laughs> so quickly and i think just like shock hits you you don't just go immediately for the switch like your brain just has to reel for a couple beats so i don't, I don't know if you just did you know right away yeah <laughs> i know it? i've no i've had <laughs> screw-ups before in my mechanic world where you know i've mm -hmm. put in a twenty-five thousand dollar hydraulic pump and spent two weeks doing this and then i uh <laughs> start everything up and it doesn't sound right and you know you forget to do that last valve of opening it from the oh, hydraulic man. tank so um you know when something doesn't sound right it's <laughs> you're you instantly know well i do and and it's you got to run as quick as you can and get the power <laughs> off but i've had some few mistakes in my life that's really uh it's really set that in stone be careful check all your valves check all your connections yes so yes uh that over the years, that's become like, you know, checking, just making sure all the all the valves are open before starting your pump has become quite a priority to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and uh, Amy, Creative, yes. Creative Live, you were talking yes. about that a little bit. I wanted bit to talk about this um, real quick. It's just a resource. Uh, but Joel Calm, who is a uh, he's an author, a blogger, and he focuses on social media. He was over on Creative Live this week. And the, the cool thing about Creative Live, there are basically classes they they basically put up classes uh from everything from knitting to business classes social media how to's that sort of thing and they're usually very high caliber the deal is if you catch them live it's completely free once they are completed then you have to pay to access them so if you are not following or not signed up for creative live it's a good thing to do i have caught several really great and free resources. Uh, this week alone, there was a good one by Joel Com on Snapchat. I've caught them on how to utilize um, and leverage the power of live online broadcasts. So there's some really, really good stuff there. If you're not signed up, 
might want to head on over to creativelive.com and, uh, you know, just make sure you're on that list so when they do something of interest to you, you can clear your schedule, get some great information, and not pay a cent. That's awesome. Hmm. Yeah. What an interesting business model, too. Yeah. And it works really well. It's tough. It's tough to make, to clear your schedule for that, but it's it's worth Hmm. it. It's worth it in many cases, I have found. Hmm. I need some training. <laughs> I need some learning. <laughs> Just in general. Don't we all? Yes. Yeah, there's, well, we... there's one this week, How to Become a Funnier Speaker. Uh, it's coming up, I think, uh, two days. And uh, for those of you who are interested in using speaking as your uh, as, as part of your marketing, whether you're going to uh, lunch and learns or talking at support groups or just wanting to become a better speaker for your live broadcast, it looks like it's going to be really, really good. I know I've, I've put that on my calendar and I hope to be able to catch that. Oh, cool. Well, I hope to see you guys yeah. there. That sounds awesome. And for anybody doing the Facebook Live videos, that seems like a great idea too. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. Lance, are you still doing the Facebook Live videos for the Float Shock? Uh, I'm supposed <laughs> to be. I ah. haven't been. Uh-huh. Sometimes it's hard. You got to be like in the right time. You you don't want to be dis- yes. disturbed. And, you know, if you're not in a good mood or you're stressed, you don't really want to do a live video during that time. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I've, I've got a couple I've been meaning to do. Um, but, yeah, I just haven't I haven't got it in a week or so, a couple weeks, I think it's been. Oh, no. It's funny. Like, I thought after the float conference, I was just going to be reeling out uh, Facebook live videos. But really, we just did our monthly uh, contest one uh, where we try to encourage people to kind of sh- spread the word about floating and uh, we give out some free floats. But uh, yeah, I haven't been doing it as much as, as I'd like, but um, consistency is key. Me. Yes, it is, right. It is. it is. It's consistency. That's the most important thing. Like, should it be a weekly thing? Should it be biweekly? How, how, or does it just matter? Just consistency period. If it's once a month, it's once a month. But uh, yeah, um, I, I, I think just being consistent, you know, just just popping up on their news feeds on a regular mm, basis. And, I see what you're saying. Yep. You know. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, Facebook loves that Facebook Live. They they want to get that to be popular. I noticed on my personal account, it's a button now. It, I think it used to be somewhat hidden or oh, really? you had to go to my homepage. But as soon as I pull up Facebook, it's right there with photos as Facebook Live. So you can just start spreading all of your brilliance to everyone at any moment in the day. So. That's fantastic. I think that, that's the evolution <laughs> of social media. At one time, we used to just one time. <laughs> at one time, we used to just go onto Facebook and write a status, or what we were feeling, or what right. we were doing, and then that involved to pictures, then that involved to games, and then that was videos. And now, um, I think the future of social media in I'd say two to four years, it's it's going to be live video from your phone. Sure. That's how you update. You know, that's what what is Snapchat. That's pretty much what snapchat oh, right. is mm. and speaking of the evolution of social media one thing that we have not mentioned lately but i want to put it out there i think we need to discuss it maybe in a future episode is instagram is now doing stories yes. so it's just like snapchat except <laughs> instagram keeps your stories that you can build on a daily basis keeps them there forever Oh, so, okay. um, so people are interacting with Instagram a little differently and I'm finding that utilizing it in a different way is, a, is probably going to start becoming very necessary here in our n- near future. I'm actually working right now as I'm away from home on how are we going to change and how are we going to approach this new method of 
uh, of social media on, or this new way to do, to give social media on Instagram. Nice. So interesting stuff happening. That's awesome. Mm, I love it. I also know Facebook bought virtual reality companies. I forget what company it was, but man, if we look 10 years down the road, I'm really curious what our social media is going to look like. Good lordy. That's, that's too far. I don't think anyone can predict that. I don't Fair think enough. anyone can predict three years from now. I, I, I would totally I, agree with that. I I, that um, Creative Live, that, that reminds me of, uh, let's see here. I was listening to the Adam Carolla podcast, and they had on a guest a woman from the limit does not exist podcast. And I've been listening to that and really enjoying it. So I just wanted to share to people the limit does not exist is a, a really interesting podcast hosted by two women, which I think is kind of rarer in radio or I guess, uh, in, uh, podcasting. And the whole concept is that we are Venn diagrams. Like we aren't like going to school for one thing and you choose that at like such an early point in your life and that's your career and that's what you do was something that made a lot of sense in early America and doesn't make a lot of sense anymore. And what we're doing is we're finding that we're, we are multifaceted, we have multiple interests, and everybody's spinning a, a lot of plates. Like, uh, and, and everybody's industries feel small. And I was like, oh, yeah, the float industry feels small. And they say the float, or the, <laughs> everybody's industries feel like everybody knows everybody. It's like, oh, yeah, it does feel like that in our industry. And so I thought that was really interesting. I would highly encourage you guys to check them out. And uh, it also actually struck a nerve with me, too, of thinking about how I would just uh, – beginning in elementary school, middle school, high school, college of just uh, being told to be quiet all the time. It was just be quiet. And I was always talking and no teacher ever said, Hey, that might be an asset to you. Like, sure. You need to be quiet right now. And some discipline is a good thing, but nobody ever said like your voice would be important or interacting with people would be important. And, and then I created a business where I interact with people every single day. And that's, like completely filled me up and was so satisfying. So I just, um, I hope, and of course I got a little girl on the way. So these things are on my mind. Right. But, uh, I just hope these, uh, the future generations are going to be grow up with these kind of multifaceted ideas of how we get to be as adults and how we interact with the world. And I also think we can't just be trained to, I don't know, I think of like Flint, Michigan, or just, you know, being manufacturing and just a single skill set, because as soon as the, you know, technology changes or something changes, then you're, you're out and uh, it's hard to get back on. So just being able to spin multiple plates and, and express your multifaceted self is uh, very valuable today. So teach your kids. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I got. Anything anybody else wants to share before we uh, play the rest of the roundtable discussion? I'm looking really forward to this roundtable discussion. Once again, there is so much good stuff. It's one of those things that I can listen to multiple times huh. and learn something every yes. single time. So I'm really so, looking forward to part two. Cool. Uh, me too. So um, so many gems in there and people are so open, whether it was the, the questions they're asking or, you know, showing kind of let that they don't have all the answers or people sharing the answers that they do have. I, I just love the sincerity of it. I I just thought it was the coolest. So um, enjoy industry roundtable discussion part two from the float conference. Here we go. You know, if I can maybe put a pin in that, that marketing portion, we talk about a lot of ideas about how to market, but I think one thing that uh, you, and, and this was certainly touched on that you need to do is 
have a focus is you can't market to everybody and you can't just say everybody's great for floating, which may be true, but as a business, you do need to target particular demographics and be, um, as uh, Float House was saying, you, you do need to be organized about that and implement it. It can't just be, I'm feeling good right now about it and, and move on and not be interested the next week. It has to be an organized plan that's executed well. It's not just the marketing, it's what kind of facility you're providing as well. Sure, yeah. Did you want to add something? Yeah, I was just going to say, like, yeah, basically targeted marketing. And also with that, like, A-B testing, right? Like, mm-hmm. Facebook's a great platform where you can start running ads targeting specific demographics and then track those numbers and see what's performing better. Mm-hmm. And then kind of switch between, you know, you can try all kinds of things, start and stop ads, all mm-hmm. kinds of stuff, right? Nice. Uh, moving on to client retention. This is, uh, this is a big one, too, especially since most of us have float centers here. Um, I don't necessarily know that we have to start with this, but I mean, just one thing on my mind is we've been, oh, Sandra's not here. One thing that we've been wanting to do is switch to the single float membership. And so you pay a monthly due and that gets you a discount. And for the float shop would be nice is that it gets you a discount to massage, to yoga, to acupuncture, just everything you, you, you buy into the float shop. Um, and I feel like we've heard a lot of success with that. We talked to um, Andy on one of our earlier episodes about uh, his success with that. And I'm curious, is anybody else doing a single membership or does everybody have tiers? Uh, can I hear what the success level is with you guys with the with the single level? I think I'm a successful level of two and four. Like one doesn't seem like enough. Oh, okay. You know, I mean, when you sell a membership, it's because they're coming out excited, right? And, you know, I think, I think yeah, one. And if there's if there's a couple as well, obviously then a two foot membership makes more sense. Okay. So we haven't found. I mean, I'd say. Well, I'm talking about, I'm sorry, I think I wasn't very clear. So you you pay uh, which uh, an amount that will discount all of your future floats. So there aren't multiple tiers, there's a single tier, and then all of your floats are a particular cost after that. The, the con to that to me is that, well, that person that's floating eight times a month with us, I want to discount it more for that person um, because they're they're investing more in us and I want to invest more in them. It also means that we're guaranteed that money at the, at the top of the month. And so I feel like there's a value trade there. But as something Sandra and I have talked about is we can still off the books, uh, not off the books, but uh, uh, not advertise that type of marketing. Secret menu. Secret menu, yeah. Secret and, menu. you know, if, if somebody wants to be coming in that much or says, well, I'd really like to be here more often, then we go, well, here's here's the other option. But for those of our, so maybe I can re-ask that question with that clarification. Does anybody have, you buy in uh, at one price for, for all of your floats? Am I wording that right? Maybe you could clarify, actually. You do a one float a month membership. So your monthly payment gets you one float, and then you can buy extra floats at a discounted rate. There we go. That's how I should have So basically, you, your, your minimum commitment is one float per month. And our thinking behind that is, um, you know, it, people do get caught up with their lives and stuff like that. So we make our membership expandable so that they can make it as big as they want for our cheapest rate that we offer. And uh, it seems to, when we made that switch, um, also, from a, like a pricing option strategy standpoint, when you're actually looking at numbers and you see, oh, that's the cheapest number mm-hmm. associated with this membership, versus you know seeing an intro pack or seeing a single float, the lowest price point is this thing, and then we have all these value adds to it, and that seems to, when people can really be explained properly and clearly, like how this can be the no-brainer if this is something you want to do a few times, then. You know, we can get a decent number jumping on that membership, which isn't going to like 
be a huge daunting thing for them as well. Mm -hmm. um, so we try to make it minimal commitment, but make it as big as you want based off your life needs. Now, can they cancel any time? Do they sign up for an annual? Is Ours it? is um, for our premium membership, which is our one that we always have on. Um, we it's month to month with a one month cancellation policy, mm -hmm. and then twice a year we do a membership sale. There's something about adding the word sale that people buy. So we do a membership sale where it's called the basic membership, which is ten bucks cheaper per month per month with no perks, and, they, and then we have a six month commitment to that. And uh, just by having the word sale, people buy, and that's a membership, and that's awesome. And we do things like have a free float signing up and stuff like that. Nice. Cool. Is anybody else doing something similar to that? Yeah. Sorry. Please. Um, so, yeah, we do something similar to Float House. Like, we were doing the two for eight a month, um, mm -hmm. and people were just seeing the value in eight a month and just going, oh, that's the best value for money, let's do that. And none of them could make the commitment. Yeah, right. So we got rid of the eight, did the one, and we're doing now one float a month for 65 and extra floats for $59. And uh, that's become our biggest turnover. Pretty much everyone's doing that because they're like, well, you know what, there's not a big price difference between that moving up to two a month and we can just get as many as we like. And it's a minimum of three months and we kind of sell it in the point that, you know, we're not an evil corporation that's a gym that's trying to lock you right. in for 12 months. We're just trying to educate you on the benefits of regular floating. And after three months, if you're not digging it, just stop it. Otherwise, it will keep going. My concern is the people we have floating regularly, and we have some people float every day, by the way, but you know, we have people who float four or eight times a month. My initial gut reaction to that is that they would stop floating as frequently. How many, have you noticed How many of those people do you have? How many people are floating that much? That's where the secret menu comes in. Like, the general public isn't going to float eight times a month or every day. Like, that's where you can then build that relationship with that client and say, hey, you know, thanks for floating so much. We're going to give you this discounted rate that no one else gets here. But our, our bread and butter is the, the predictable income that we get to four and eight float memberships. Like, we know we're going to get X amount mm -hmm. every month. And that's... There's value to that. The sense of security in that. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know. I mean, it, the one plus however many other we just feels scary to me. Yeah. <laughs> we just sign up a lot. And that's one of the that's one of the things we did too. We saw our we actually we had the tiered. We went to one, and our our uh, rate, our, our the amount of people signing up has gone up. We're actually making more money now, and on top of it, they're staying longer. So over time, we're making more money from them than we were with multiple tiers. Um, we're on month eight of it now, and I'm I'm shocked. I couldn't have predicted the numbers and the amounts and the things that are the uh, things I'm seeing. So we're talking about that. Yeah. Yeah. It works out. It worked out really well. So for us, it was a, it was a big benefit. It actually worked out. It, it was scary, but it worked out. The retention out. of the members is critical too. Like yes. There's two ways to maintain that population. That's why effectively signing them up, but then also keeping them, you know, yeah. not having them. So the float challenge is great to encourage their use to get them re-engaged, um, but also just building community, you know, like, really trying to build real face-to-face -face interactions and community. And that's something that, in retrospect, I wish my brother Andy and I, who started Float House, did more of, was be just physically in our centers longer for that first year or so to develop just more intimate personal relationships with people. Uh, that's what's going to keep them. The fact that they feel part of this community and that people care about them. You know them by name. You become acquaintances and friends with them. Then they'll never leave. But so, you know, as we kind of 
for trying to do that, but it's, it's challenging when you have different team members who are at different levels of engagement. Sure. But you, you did an event, didn't you, for your members? Did you do a membership event? Yes. So we do yeah, a membership so appreciation nights mm -hmm. where it's free and they bring in food. We had um, uh, did a, a professional performance, like a one-man play, which was fantastic. Um, and we're going to do that every year, you know, just giving them more incentive to stick around, give them more incentives to float more. We have a members float for free day every month where if they can they float for free if they bring in a friend. So it brings referrals as well. And uh, May so ask, just trying to give our members everything because they are the bread and butter. I want to I wanna get to you, but can I ask how many people not working, um, and actually maybe there's some, some crossover here, not working in the shop, but how many people are managing the business outside of working, you know, uh, float facilitators, uh, um, facilitating floats? Four and a half. Okay. So myself, my brother, Nathan, and we have a general manager as well. We don't necessarily do hosting float shifts. Mm -hmm. um, they, you know, do maintenance shifts, uh, but not like just scheduled uh, hosting shifts. Mm -hmm. We have the, that point five was like our accountant slash bookkeeper payroll. He's also one of our co-founders. Uh, he's our, one of our investors. He's an accountant by trade. So that's been a huge part of our success is having someone vested with a vested interest being able to look at those types of elements of the business. Um, and the, the owners of the the franchises, do they are they working in house as well, or do they tend to take a manager? Yeah, no, they start definitely in house, and then depending on the level. So Jesse is from Victoria, and my cousin Eric is the one that started Bonus Victoria. He's not here because he just had a baby, but um, I mean, he still works some shifts, right, Jesse? But he's pretty minimal. Back as they yeah. kind of turn that corner after a couple of years. Okay, just wanted to know what the operation was looking like, like how much uh, human power it takes to run a facility the way yeah. you guys are running it. And my brother and I, we still we still work other, in other jobs as well. Mm -hmm. so. And actually, we do you want to give a plug for your podcast while you're on the microphone? Yeah, yeah <laughs> we have a podcast called Vancouver Real, R-E-A-L. It's on YouTube, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, so if you listen to podcasts. We talk a lot about floating, but a lot about other stuff too, but it, you know, it always gets into floating because we do the podcast <laughs> from our close center. We actually built a street level studio. And it's pretty cool. It's pretty fun. So. Yeah, it's Thank a very you. entertaining podcast. Mm -hmm. Hey folks, we're going to take a quick break from the round table, but if you are loving all the little gems of information and really good stuff buried in this round table discussion, and you want more, just so you know, The Art of the Float isn't the only podcast where you can find some great information. Check out floatconference.com and take a moment and click on that podcast link at the top of the page. There you'll see a bunch of pre-conference podcasts. They're little bite-sized interviews with all the speakers that you absolutely fell in love with at the conference this year and past as well. So take a few moments, check it out, find the speakers you love, and keep on learning. So I have a question for all of you guys. So being open here, we obviously had to start out with first-time float, but now we're kind of finding problem with that of just you run into it's the lowest price on your menu and maybe now people come in to pay $50 and then you're trying to convince them to come back for it so we're trying to fade that out does anyone have any advice of what to do there so we started with the first time float right we still have right now we're just crossing a year 
Yeah, so free the first, first one is book. discounted, is what you're saying? And so we want to get rid of that because it kind of has the lowest one on the menu. And mm -hmm. so, just anyone have any advice and on What how we to do also that? do is uh, you come in for your first time float, and if you buy a package or a membership that day, then you get another free, or you get that float for free. Mm -hmm. And so, we ended up giving out a lot of free floats over the, over the first year. And so, we're just trying to cut that out and it's not devalue ourselves. We have a one-month uh, cancellation policy as well, so that kind of stops it a little bit. I think the key of pricing is establishing yourself at the peak price. So, like having your first float be the most expensive float that anyone will ever buy, and that sets mm -hmm. the bar for somebody to what the value of a float is. And from then on, they're all like everything's a deal. So um, we have upgrade, like we have packages of like multiple floats, but our first float is always the most expensive. So if somebody wants to buy a first float um, to try it, then that's the price. And but they're allowed at any point to upgrade into the other packages and just pay the difference of those. So the next time they come back in, those are the discounted floats. Um, and so it it's kind of goes both ways. Like a lot of people, we do have a lot of discounts off the first float. Um, that are ways that they can find those in other places, but they're not available in the store. So they have to be like from a magazine or from some kind of like published ad. Um, but that way, if somebody's just walking in, they see the value of a float as the the value of where we set that. And um, because that way, you're not like it's it's a weird psychology to pay something less and then to come back and pay something more. Where if you paid more, you'll always pay less. It's like it's always going to be a sale. So you want to make sure you establish things um, where you want them to be. So do you use a, you sell them a single float and then you give them a promo code as a first time customer? Uh, so we'll, just no, it's just floats? we'll see through their accounts that they've purchased the single float and then we price adjust our other packages to allow them to, um, to, pay, yeah, to pay for the difference, which is just essentially buying a three pack in total but it seems like a great deal, and it's the second time they come in, it's a lot easier. And also rolling off that, um, ideally you don't want them to pay before they float for the first time, and then afterwards that you can hopefully get them on a membership instead, like, well, you can pay our most expensive rate and be done with it, or yada yada. Yeah, I was just gonna say, like, I would almost, you know, caution of, like, incentivizing people to even buy packages, like, buy that free float. Um, you know, we try to gear everything towards the attractiveness of the membership because that's the population you want to grow to have a sustainable right. float business. So do everything in your power to make that look like the no-brainer and the most attractive value add the crap out of it because if you get them on on a recurring thing, then that's, you know, that's, that's the longevity. That's the game we've been working at with our, my brother and I own two locations and then we franchise out from there, but the two that we own We've been working towards membership population growth for like two and a half years, hardcore, like really hard. And it's a grind, but it's just like chipping away, and that's 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 the game from our perspective. Would you advise not selling packages then? Um, I, mean, I mean, we have a 10 pack that's not really well promoted. Uh, actually, it's online, and actually, we had sold Stop, two man. the other day, which is awesome, though. Um, <laughs> it's just it's a surprise, but we don't sell it very often. Um, but yeah, on like our kind of like laminated sheet in store, it's literally the single float at 75. We have a Karma pack, uh, which is like a three float package that's shareable, that's 60 per float. 
an intro pack which is not shareable, and then the membership. So literally when they see those numbers, they see the smallest number is the membership, plus all the value adds, plus the shareability, um, you know, plus the incentive of the free flow, all these little Do things. Do you try to tell them about all the added value of being a member right up front? Because we find that our pitch gets a little bit convoluted with yeah, all I mean, that you stuff. Gotta right? be, yeah, you're right. I mean, I, I don't like it when I see one of our younger guys or girls go in and kind of just start robotically spout. Like, you can just, like, have some social sensitivity, you know, and, and know when someone's not really receiving you. Like, and, and also, too, like, I almost, I'll tailor the, the conversation towards how the, seeing how their flow went. They're kind of wavering. Definitely go for the intro pack. I'm like, well, this is the best place to start. This is why the whole free flow learning curve thing. And then, but if they're like, seem to have a really good one, they're like, oh, well, do you think you can do this more often? What you do it once a month? And then, you, know, you can kind of, you got to be strategic. You got to read people. You got to feel them. And so, Jesse, you were saying that um, you have like, uh, like for that intro package, they don't have to take advantage of that the first time. You have like basically a rain check. Yeah, and that's, you know, we leave it open-ended. So we actually do take payments before a float. Um, and just, it's one of those things, like, it's easier for us to manage. We're often just, like, on staff. Um, so it can be pretty hectic on flip times. And uh, I'll just say, with sorry, oh, right. like, the different float houses, we, we actually play with different things. We're not standard across the board. So float houses, oh, yeah, we, like, it's part of our testing, kind of, too. It's, like, seeing what's working better for different centers in different areas, and that's kind of a luxury too to be able to like right. play with different pricing options and, and explore and so, Mike, I don't want to. I don't want to cut you off, but I do want to make sure other people can can share here as well. I know you have, the, you have a lot to add, no which is awesome. But I do want to get her over here. Hi. Um, well, I'm just curious in terms of the the membership thing, and I know that I, like I've got a membership for um, like massage. So massages do a lot of that. Like they just charge every month, charge every month, and. Is there any um, idea, like in terms of the kickback idea and membership, to kind of say to massage places, you've got members who have three massages in the bank, they're going to they're going to stop their credit card at some point. Why not send them over to us, and then we'll we'll give you so much per per person that comes over. Has anybody tried that? I think that's similar to what he was talking about earlier. That, um, but but uh, I I think aside from again like the moral choice of it, I think. We haven't tested all all the marketing aspects in the float industry, and so I think people should be experimenting with this kind of thing. Because I think with massages in particular, because it's sort of an hour-long commitment where you don't do very much, that you, you do get some people that are looking for mm -hmm. that kind of thing and, and that maybe would explore another type of service. Yeah, we get a lot of referrals, and, and we don't do any financial incentives, but we get a lot of referrals from the LMTs in our area. It, it's really nice, and it doesn't. I don't feel like there's a sense of competition of, ah, they're stealing our client. I feel like it's complimentary. Well, although I would say Lance has brought up that there is a certain amount of money that you're willing to spend on, um, what, do you, what do you call it? Like, Body maintenance, yeah, like you know, extra income that you're willing to devote to that. So in a sense, there there is some competition that they might be feeling, but uh, we haven't we haven't noticed that because our again our referrals are really nice from our LMTs. I encourage everyone to try these different things that haven't been tried. That's what this is all about. Some people say no, you shouldn't do this. No, you shouldn't do that. There's no rules. There is no rules in this industry. Do what you find works best for you. It's a lot of trial and error. And, and we offer a tiered system for our pricing. So when people come in for their first floats, they're paying, we'd sell an intro pack for three floats, they're paying the same price as our yearly membership. So after their three floats, that's easy for us to transfer them into a membership because everything's tiered down in pricing. And that's that's worked very good for us and that's something, the yearly membership we tried, it works for us. It's different. It's unconventional. 
go out there and try things. It's you know a lot of it will be more successful than than what you think. It's it's just a matter of what you put into it. Let's go ahead and go back to her. Question yep. about unlimited packages. The what? I know it's not super common in the industry, but um, Seattle unlimited. One is hundred forty dollars, and it's unlimited floats. And I have a. I think that's snake that's bitten a lot that. of people. <laughs> yeah. I think that's a dangerous one. I think that's bitten a lot of float centers because uh, they can actually end up losing money on that with how much time in the tank they're they're using up. But that's just my what I've so heard. So people would end up going like five times where you start losing money at that. Like I guess my first question would have been, what's the average number of times that like a member goes to a float? Like if it floats, so is it like three times a month, four times a month? I think at the float shop, the average, the highest membership level is two. But then, um, if if somebody's recovering from a car accident or something like that, we'll see them, you know, two or three times a week is very common. But the most common is two for us. I don't know. In just a couple cases, we've had people who are floating nearly thirty times, you know, every day. That's um, true. And so there are people who will utilize that service to that extent. Mm-hmm. That you need to be careful. But it just looks competitive. Like I have a business in the area that does that have like they have three locations, and now they push hard the unlimited packages like silver bronze and whatever platinum so when you're like right next to them and mm-hmm. don't have anything like that of that value I feel like it's harder for us it becomes like more of a price war or something like that yeah I customer. think getting into a, into a fear-based price war is is unhealthy and I think if you're inspired by something like like the single membership uh, and that that jives with you that's really good but if you're doing it out of a fear reaction I, I don't think that's good and that actually or I, I don't know that this is necessarily true but if you're discounting and you don't want to switch to a full price because you're afraid of losing people I don't think that's a way to make a decision either and we held back from raising our prices for a very long time because of fear and I think you need to be confident in what you have to offer and design packages that make sense to you and that's I think going to resonate with your clientele and well, yeah, I'll, I'll cut myself. You don't want to devalue yourself either. Keep yeah, value yeah. to your service. Absolutely. People are booking, for us, they're booking two hours of our time. So what do you, like, you can't make that $20 float because that's not, there's no profit being turned. So make sure you have value to yourself. Yeah. We, we have to worry that someone next to you is selling for less, then figure out why yours is better. Mm-hmm. Convince yourself you're offering something better. It better be. That's what I'm trying to do. That's kind of just been on my marketing, but, you know, there is a big play in the market right now. It's like, yeah, Probably yeah. That, I think uh, a lot of people are experiencing that push. Their franchises opening up. That I think that causes fear in, in other float centers. And there are just other small businesses opening up all over. And everybody's offering something a little. Everything is going to be different. Um, and I don't think you have to be afraid. I think you have to keep the hustle. You might need to hustle more than than you were before. But I don't think you have to be afraid. Yeah. We have some. some of them. Yeah, in the back. Uh, uh, so just kind of curious, uh, how many people, like how many centers here are, are running sales back to back on the topic of devaluing? So uh, we have a, a business, a float center in Portland that is constantly running Groupons at any time, and we forget about that. Like we, we don't have fear based around that. We know that we have value, and so we build our clientele based on the people who are willing to commit to us. And we sell 100 Groupons a month. We have an auto thing that sells 100 a month, and we, we target them very hi- uh, highly to build them onto a membership. But 100 floats out of how many we do is a pretty small drop in the bucket. Cool. Yeah, I, I think like something I'm seeing, and even we can be you know guilty of this sometimes, is running sales back-to-back. And so I think, like, we do need to, at this point, be careful 
as an industry that we're not devaluing what floating is because like you know floats keep going down to like 25 bucks 20 bucks like I mean this is an hour and a half service that people are getting for pennies essentially at that point That's ridiculous. so I mean like it's something to be aware of <laughs> please Oh, actually, Sandra, this time first. Did you still want to talk? Oh, on the same, on the same exact same topic. I think when we communicate clearly and confidently about our prices, and we set them at a level um, at which we will be able to survive as humans running these businesses, then people understand that this service has value. We know it does. This really does incredible things for people. And as long as we can rest confidently in that when we're communicating with our clients, they're going to hear it in the in between the words. So with you're concerned about getting rid of your $50 first float, drop the concern, kick, kick it to the curb, and, uh, and try out something else. It's going to be great, and it's going to be all right. Yeah, attract the right clients. You're, attracting, you're just attracting a particular demographic when you do that and when you run a Groupon, whatever it is. So attract the people that are going to retain you treat you right yeah, with that first float thing we um we did that at first sorry and then we transitioned to a three float intro pack and that worked way better for us that was getting them in three times um pretty much the same price as the other one but it worked good sorry we've done the same thing for five almost five years now the three float pack and it's awesome i know i'm sorry don't mean to be Look behind you here i want to hear what you have to say <laughs> um i was just wondering if people target like their sales times for the slow times to get people in there to float Hell yeah. um, in the summertime. <laughs> That's when you run your sales. It's when your marketing is <clears throat> sort of going to be most effective is when you're putting work in it and targeting it at the right times to the right people. Well, I was going to say, you know, there's yeah. also a time when you want to promote because of the holidays, but we don't discount around. Uh, we do a Cyber Monday or something like that. Uh, we do a sale, but... Uh, people are willing to spend and pay full price. So if anything, I would encourage people to have an, an added thing that isn't going to cost you extra or very little, but uh, that you know makes the package special. But I wouldn't be discounting around the holidays. That's that's something that we we aren't big fans of. Valentine's Day have a have a special package, but don't discount because that's when people are are wanting to spend. So like like uh, the summer sale, the the do that when nobody's coming in or when the, when you see the dip. Yeah. Um, can I hear from you and then let's let's cut this off. I want to talk about the something else. For you guys, so I know you talked about in the past that Amy, you've done thank you notes, things like that. So, what are the things, or techniques, are people using to for client retention, especially after their first float? Because sometimes they're a little bit loopy when they're leaving, and it's kind of hard to get across that information. But you also don't want to overwhelm them with the pricing structure, that kind of stuff, before their float. Uh, we're still doing the thank you no notes, uh, handwritten thank you notes. We do that just because that's kind of something I love, something that's important to me on a on a level that I'm uh, that I'm at. Um, and actually, the funny thing is, with those thank you notes, they are there's nothing salesy in them. It's really just a moment to show gratitude for that client for coming in. We have gotten thank yous for thank you notes, which is kind of strange, um, but it's true. We get, we get people thanking us for thank you notes because I think it's a very rare thing these days. And we noticed too when we started our thank you notes, our um, our retention actually came up like our the, we we jumped. We saw a big jump from people coming in for their first float uh, and then not coming back. We started the thank you notes. All of a sudden, we saw that go up like seven to eight percentage points very quickly. Uh, and we also now do regular follow ups with people if they they came once, they no longer we didn't see them for six weeks. An automatic email goes out. It's free. We don't get a whole lot from that, but those three one two three people who do come in. It 
can cost us anything to get them back in they may not have otherwise. Um, we're working right now a lot more on retention of members, our membership retention, because like I said, long term, uh, we see we're, we're seeing more money from that. And we are doing now quarterly uh, connections with our members, doing small gifts, letters, um, making a point to be, if we notice they're coming in, making a point to be in the office and greet them, just spend a little bit more. It, it doesn't even have to cost much, spending a little bit more attention. And we are seeing that pay off. We are seeing that pay off tremendously, actually. Something we've just picked up um, the last week, actually, like Amy said, it doesn't have to cost much, is we're going to start, we've compiled a spreadsheet and a survey system, where we're going to be doing one-week callbacks. So a week after they floated, we're just giving them a call to make sure everything was good, they had any issues, and to kindly ask them if they'd like to rebook or if we're having any sort of promo, offer them that promo code. And... Um, that's simply connecting with your customers and building that relationship where that's going to go the extra mile when they remember your name and you remember theirs. So that's, that's sort of why I got in that question of customer retention earlier is because that's, um, that's something we need to focus a little more on is, is connecting with. And you do notes too, right, on your clients. Like yeah. if, if they mention something or yeah. um, if we find out like their spouse is having a having surgery or something, we do make notes. It feels When I say it out loud, it sounds kind of creepy. <laughs> um, and I don't mean it that way. We do it because we really do care. We want to mm-hmm. make sure. So we'll send out a note or if we found out there, we've, uh, if we found out actually one of our clients um, was having uh, surgery um, and also we, he found out he had cancer. So we'll, we'll follow up with that. We send cards that everybody's signs we call and make sure they're doing all right it sounds kind of now that I'm saying out loud it sounds kind of creepy but really it, it has helped us develop there is a sincere relationship we really do care yeah. we want to reach out and keep in touch with them that has that's free and that's paid off they're going to tell you these things yeah. they're probably okay with you remembering them um <laughs> I know on our door of every single float room we write the person's name sometimes we draw a fun pitch we do something like that and they come down the hallway and they're oh yeah if um, we know it's their birthday we'll write happy birthday with some balloons and stuff and we'll put that on your account oh if they come back in a couple weeks it's like oh john it was your birthday on you know let your last float you know we hope that you had a great birthday and a great float and they remember that and that's that connects them to you especially when you have a customer leaving your business saying by lance it was great it's like that person remembers my name mm-hmm. i forget a lot of names so if they remember my name especially after a float <laughs> right. that's usually a good sign uh, jessica did you want to add uh, what I like to do is text people the next day and just say, hey, so-and-so, just wanted to check in and make sure you're feeling fine and wait for a response and then engage again. That's actually what I was going to ask. Do you think that it is worth it doing that personal touch, the phone call versus like an auto email or even text message? I guess it depends what you want to get about. We have auto emails that go out if they haven't visited in a year or six months or whatever we set that parameter to, but... I think building that relationship is wonderful. We're, we're much more than just a float center. I think the flotation part of our business is 50%, and the other 50% is our space and our interaction with, with our employees and how we interact with our clients. I think that's, that's what brings a lot of people back, and that is what a lot of our marketing is. Like We talk about word-of-mouth marketing. If you deliver the best experience possible for those clients, they're going to tell everyone about it. They're going to be taking pictures of your lobby, your float rooms, engaging with you that way. And that's going to go the extra mile versus not knowing their name, not knowing if they floated before and they come in and giving them a rerun through and they floated three days ago. That just, that's not as memorable as, as what it could be. So. so floating is a very 
individual experience, and I, I'd love to find some way to build a community among people coming to this shop, but we have a very small store. We don't have a lot of room for people to hang around afterward. We try to make it as comfortable as possible, but a lot of people come out of their float, they're out the door. Um, we tried having a monthly meetup from members or just anyone interested and got like two or three people coming out. There would be more of us there than anybody right, right. else. Does anyone have any ideas on like actually making a community part out of this thing? Because um, how many centers? Excuse me. How many uh, float tanks do you have, and how long have you been? We have open? four. And how long have you been open? A year and a half. Okay. Um, well, We've only had four speed. tanks. We, we started with two, but yeah. Community? Not just a meetup, but offer something like a workshop. Like, um, if you're targeting how to get the most of your float, breathing techniques that can be used in the float tank, um, um, flotation for athletes, how to get the most out of your athletic recovery with the float tank. And you're targeting certain demographics, which are going to be certain like minded people, which are more likely to connect. Now, I haven't done this, so I don't know if it's worked, but when we do that, we do want to offer workshops that will help them connect with each other, but help them improve their practice in the tank. If I can. share his memes and stuff all over the internet all the time cool, 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 and cool. it's completely <laughs> separate from what his business is but that's how he's built a community that way hi everybody I'm Bruce I'm the loader hi Bruce so when you say that I think of floaters anonymous you know like how do we get together how do we share floating experience mm. like and back to Lance about the center when, when I meet up in the center with people that's where we you know share afterwards before out on the balcony it's so word of mouth like you say it's what do you do i would also say don't be discouraged for people like for the same reason you said floating can be a very individual practice don't be discouraged by someone who just hustles ass out of the center as soon as their float is done it doesn't mean they didn't have an yeah. amazing experience it just might mean they don't want to talk to you or but, anybody but they might talk to you on facebook they might be responsive yeah. on facebook yeah. and that's yeah. how they network some people are just like don't talk to me yeah. i'm in my own little zone getting out of there but they can still have had, like, a mind-exploding experience. And I would say, like, being consistent with these things. If you are having meetups and you had two or three that were sort of failed, like, consistently having them mm -hmm. could grow that. I know, you know, my first float wasn't the best, but if I wasn't going in and being consistent with that, I wouldn't be where I'm at today with that. So, But um, when people don't show up, it's it can be tough on it, the ego, but the consistency of it is yes. the only way you're going to build yeah. the following. So, um, one thing I've found... Um, 
with um, our community in one of our centres, which is really popular, is um, people are going out of their way, passing other centres to come to us because they keep saying the same thing, this sense of community. And what we've done, um, which I know other centres have done, we've got an internship where we get um, you know, a uni student that can't afford it to float in exchange for a shift. But what we also do is once a fortnight we get meetings together for them little perk and we do different things like we'll get guided meditators in, astral travellers, yoga, life coaches, things like that and it makes them feel so, they love the place so much that they now hang out there all the time <laughs> and there's so many people in the centre, so like we have, this, is, this particular centre only has three tanks yet there might be up to 15 people there and all the interns are just walking around and they're just chatting and getting to know people and it initiates all this conversation and all of a sudden these customers that are getting involved in this conversation are hanging around for hours and they realise that they have something in common with somebody else and they're shaking hands and then we've got this lovely table that has all complementary businesses that, that are like-minded and it just creates this bigger awareness and it just creates that bigger circle. So that's something that works for us in terms of community. I'm, I'm glad somebody brought up the interns or volunteers because that's something that's been incredibly successful with us and most of our hiring pool is now... Um, based on people coming in for trade. Uh, they, they come in on a maintenance day and they learn how the pumps work and all that stuff. They scrub salt off, off the floors and all that and, and they get a, a float in trade for that. And that has been great for building community as well. Um, and then um, if, if they're, you know, we, they hit a certain mark for us, then they can work uh, during, during daytime shifts. Still behind the scenes, they're not interacting with clients uh, as much, but, but they are then during the week coming in. Um, but on the volunteer side, sorry, um, check with your like employment yep. <laughs> standards because yep. um, for-profit businesses, I don't think are allowed to have volunteers. I think you can call it an internship or something like that, but Thank just you. be careful. That's a really good point. Get yourself in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> volunteers. Um, but, but if I can just say, if you have that intent to build community, it's going to happen. And that's something that we saw Floaton had was so much uh, community and so many uh, interns or volunteers or whatever they're calling it at the time. Um, and we felt like, well, why don't, maybe it was just me, I don't know if you're feeling this way, but it's like, why don't we have that? Like, this is, we're all about community, this is us, but it didn't feel like we had that so much. But it was around, I would say, the second year mark that really started, we find, found that we did have that sense of community, and we started uh, really refining our hires, and I'm kind of surprised we haven't talked about that more, um, but uh, we were hiring hacks and people who weren't into floating and just like it wasn't we hadn't refined that yet and so when you have people who are super passionate about floating love what they're doing that's when the sense of community comes in and they start connecting with these other people who are connecting the floating and it and um it like like you had said it wasn't it's not like 10 people are getting together but gad comes in every friday and talks with emily and they they bullshit and they they talk before their float and then they bullshit long after she should have punched out and they're they're talking and that's what we want so that's good can you clarify something for me just being here from portland uh which one should we use is it volunteer or or intern it's not volunteer. It's not volunteer. So what, to the legality here in Oregon, and I would assume it's probably going to be pretty similar elsewhere, is that it does need to be an internship, which there is a certain uh, number of time you can be legally on an internship, but it is a few years. Oh. But there does need to be a course program that they're learning. So it can't just be they go in and change the filters every course time. Program. There has to be an education plan laid out for them. There needs to be a document guideline of what they're expected to do, what they're expected to learn. Um, there needs to be... Uh, maximum amount of time they can spend in your space. 
doing that, uh, that needs to be described, and then also um, no guarantee of employment after internship. Mm. That needs to be expressed to them so that they know that. Uh, just avoids any liability on the so, uh, the government wants some squirrel when it comes to trade. They always want to take their piece, so yeah. you got to be careful with that. So that's a good point. So, if, if uh, technically, if you're trading, then you need to report um, on on both ends. You know, but the amount that of value that you're receiving mm -hmm. needs to be reported. Um, we, we don't have a whole lot of time before we have to wrap up here, um, but does anybody have any recommendations on hiring, how to hire, or any con questions or concerns about hiring? If they don't float, don't hire them. <laughs> yeah, that's a great which, which is difficult when you're first opening yeah. up, though. Yeah, it's it nice is. when you've been open for a few years or there are other float centers, but when you're the first, that can be difficult. Yeah. We just started um, using Google Forms, and so basically it takes them anywhere five, ten minutes, depends how chatted they are in their, in their interview. I mean, sorry, in the form, because we'd get all these resumes, and then we'd have to look through our system, have they floated with us, maybe we floated with someone else, what are they into? So basically the form just gets, allows us to get to know them, and if they're not interested in filling out the form, then they're not probably not interested in actually working mm. for us. They might just be dropping off 20 resumes all the sure. way down the street. So it just kind of helped us narrow in on it, and it's been a lot more successful. We, we used to uh, have little things like, I don't know, put something in the subject line or just like have little hoops that I have to actually be paying attention to or keep a certain organization in, in their submittal to make sure it wasn't just one of those just, just give an application and also that they can, they can follow instructions. We have never advertised in any standard hiring location. It's always been to people who are already interested in nice. hiring for some mm, reason. Nice. Sounds like you might have more community than you're leading on. Yeah. Then. We have a large mailing list, but it's not a community. Okay. So, Throw a party. Throw a party. <laughs> we just found that being like real with uh, yeah. people as well is is the best way because um, like working at a float center sounds like the most ideal job in the world mm -hmm. and in a lot of ways it really is um, but in a lot of ways it's not and there's a lot of things to it that you know you don't really maybe want to do or things that aren't the nicest. And situations that come up that you have to deal with that um, are just, you know, the realities of working in a float center. If it so, wasn't work, we wouldn't pay you. Yeah, exactly. And so, um, you know, I think that those are kind of like, I've gone through a lot of interview processes and um, you get folks from all over, but, you know, there are things like cool chemicals and, and all these situations. And so, yeah, just being very real and taking real time to kind of like go through situations and, um, I've often found that people who initially were probably the most excited will actually back themselves completely mm. out of the interview and realize that they don't even really want to work there by oh, the end of it. <laughs> if um, if you're like being as honest as you can about all of the things that, and you know everything from hours and all the things mm. that you actually mm. will be able to give them, it's just, a, and then that creates a really great relationship too, right. is when you have that real honesty nice. and nobody has expectations that aren't being fulfilled. Cool, I like nice. that. Yeah. And, and Sorry, give me one second here. Just, uh, uh, he, he left, but he mentioned an employee like robotically talking about memberships. Like, cut people loose sooner than you think. I mean, have, work with them by all means, but if it's not working out, don't try to make the relationship work. Like, have people who want to be there and who are, who are passionate and want to, want to talk about it. I'm going to go to him first. So when you talk about employees, I assume they're allowed 
free floats? Do you limit mm, how many floats question. a week versus what you're trying to do for your business? How yeah. do you handle, because you want to inspire them and, and it's part of their growth in your industry, but is there a limit to what people are doing with their employees one way or the other? You want to float as much as they want to. Yeah, and that's like, training. The better employees they're be. Yeah, we, we do have a limit on ours, unfortunately, I think. We, we had to put a cap on As you it. grow, you do. Okay. Um, let, let's hear from you, and then I want to break for a second here, per, perhaps permanently. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was just going to say, like, two things. Um, we've been encountering this more recently, just uh, with certain people not feeling comfortable with the sanitation process of running a center. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really crucial, because I'm finding, like, obviously we're all somewhat hippie and whatnot, but, like, we don't like chemicals, don't like things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, really making sure that employees are following the systems in place because we're starting to find here and there, you know, people are like, oh, I don't want to dose tank too much as much as I should because I'm going to be around cleaning up at the end of the night. So that type of stuff you want to try and avoid for sure. Like try and be in the centers as much as you can working alongside employees when you can. This this might sound insulting, but I would say do it so a, a checklist that a monkey could follow. I mean, so that yep. you don't have to have any conscious thought. These are the numbers that it has to meet uh, for particularly things like chemicals or just opening procedures, closing procedures. Systems, right? This has yep. to be completed. I think that's really important as owners that we understand it well enough to be able to create that, but then we do follow up and actually create that process. I think a lot of centers don't have that. And, and ours has run so much more efficiently since then. Um, it's one o'clock. Yeah, this is. That's, uh, that's, that's it. Thank you guys so much for being here.